0: peace everybody welcome back to another episode of on tilt the state of black mental health and policing in america i'm julius and i'm here with miss danielle brown how you doing miss danielle
1: i am doing wonderful i am feeling good you know it's a difference when you have protein in your system
0: i can <laughs> tell i said you're glowing you gotta glow today
1: I do. I, I didn't know how much food impacts your skin and your mood. You know, mm. I'm thinking I was doing well without it, but there is a difference being on the other side of it.
0: Mm. Well, you are 50 years young. You had yeah. a, a, an amazing birthday celebration. Um. How, how are you feeling now?
1: I feel wonderful. I went roller skating, <laughs> you know, <laughs> And I did pretty well. I was more afraid of falling. So I told my friends, I said, you know, we're going to do this again uh, this weekend because I'm here in D.C. And I said, you know, I'm going to go to Dick's and get me. To, you know, I don't care. He's not <laughs> going to know what's underneath my clothes. Little, little wrist pad and elbow pad. And I'm I'm a going I'm to I'm let loose a little bit more because I used to roller skate." I wasn't really really good at it, but you know, I could crisscross and hold my own. So I'm gonna get back to that.
0: I know Before I saw the, I, I saw the video. You were like going, you know, backwards and spinning around and stuff. I, I saw you moving. <laughs> I was, I was. <laughs> and you, you you had another really big uh, monumental thing that happened as well. You want to tell us about that?
1: The Marquis Jalen Brown Foundation has And I didn't realize how important it was for me to be the air beneath the wings. And you know, it clicked. And I always told people I knew I was coming off the hunger strike when two things national attention or the foundation, you know, but I still I needed to hear from God. I needed to know my when. And going into the hospital, was the most scariest thing ever, you know, Um, and having passed out, and I tell people I went to the edge, you know, and I I could, you know, you're in and out of your consciousness. I could feel myself reaching for Jalen's hand, and I I tell people it was an out-of-body experience because I literally was pushed back, and then my next vivid conscious was Jamal catching me, And so I knew at that particular time, you know, my spirit said, it's not your time yet. It's time now to embrace your next destiny that I'm leading you to. And that is the foundation.
0: Wow. Wow. We had an amazing episode last week, just being able to to talk about your foundation. Um, tell, Tell the people again where they can go and learn more if they weren't with us last week.
1: Yes. Um please go to mjbfoundation.net, mjbfoundation.net. We got Q codes there. We got, you know, if you go to the website, Marcus Jalen Brown, Facebook page or Instagram page, there's Q codes there that you can tap into with a phone or anything and learn all about our program. And we're excited. Um, I'm not going to take up too much time on this. because I know we usually go into our moment of silence. So I'm a, uh just you know just say hey, thank you, love you all. We got mm-hmm. an exciting show today.
0: Yes, yes. We appreciate you, Miss Danielle. So before we get into it, uh, we have a, a an amazing guest with us today. Um, somebody who is also doing the work, super passionate, um, very influential, and is just with the people. Genuinely cares about people from a holistic standpoint. So before we bring her on with us. We do want to take a moment of silence uh, just to acknowledge those who aren't with us. So please join us in a moment of silence. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: All right, we are back. So Miss Danielle, I'm I'm really excited about today's guest. I know you have a relationship with this guest as well. Did you want to just speak to that briefly before we introduce her?
1: Oh man, you know, um can we can we say the name now?
0: Go right now. Okay. In.
1: okay. <laughs> we,
0: <laughs> we,
1: we have the beautiful Fawn joining us today. And many of you all who are uh natives to the Pittsburgh area know probably know her because she knows everybody, Um, but I was introduced to her at Freedom Corner. And let me tell you, a phenomenal woman uh, that I have since relied on for numerous activities and actions out of the Marcus Jalen Brown, Justice for Marcus Jalen Brown, Justice for Jalen Camp. And she has consistently showed up. And also is sticky situations. You know, she was a person I could rely on. And when I needed to talk to someone about some confidential matters, I could rely on her and call her and get sound advice while worrying about it becoming a part of the, uh, what we call it, the gossip community. So, you know, I appreciate her being a confidant. I appreciate her being a person that I can consult with on, you know, um, uh, activism matters. And I just appreciate her passion. She's a, oh, my God, a dynam- dynamite, dynamite woman, a passion. And um, everyone will get to experience that. She does so much in her community. Look at her. You know what I'm saying? She flies. You know,
2: <laughs>
1: look at that red hair. Not every, look, not people, not us black folks can always rock different color hair. You know, but look at that. She got that red hair going on really well. So you know, I look nice You don't have red hair today.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Fawn. We're happy to have you with us. How you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank
2: you so much for having me, and um, thank you both for your kind words. Um, I definitely feel the same way about both of you. So mm-hmm. thank you all so much for having me. Um,
0: definitely, awesome. definitely. So far, and I, I w- was doing a little bit of research on your organization and on you. And there's so many things that I could say uh, about you know who you are, but I, I, I want to leave that up to you to introduce yourself to the people and. Um, as you're thinking about your your introdu- introduction um, as we are on episode two of the second season which is the theme is from trauma to triumph and that was one of the main reasons why i was you know i gravitated toward you and um being a guest because yeah. i know you have a you, you don't just do the work you have a story behind why you do the work how you do the work the consistency of it so um, just keep keep that in mind as you talk to the people a little bit about who you are and some of those experiences that inspired you and influenced you to do the work. So I'll I'll hand it off to you to do that.
2: Yes. Yes. Thank you again so much for having me today. So when um, you all sent a topic to me and it said from trauma to triumph, that really, really stuck out to me. And I really wanted to take the opportunity to really share my story. I don't think a lot of people know um, and it's not that I haven't shared it in the past. Um, I think what it really comes down to is the fact that I am so strong um, that a lot of people will listen but not listen with those ears of really getting understanding. Um, so I just challenge everyone, uh, you know me, I'm always with the cause to action to people when I, when I really am speaking to really just look past the expectations that you have of me as well as this notion that, you know, I'm magical or I have superpowers because I don't. Um, so just to really just really um, look past the strong black woman um, expectation that is placed on myself and a lot of other black women. Um, so when I heard from trauma to triumph, my trauma really started for me in my childhood. So I was molested at a young age and I really didn't remember it until I was 10 years old and my grandfather had passed away. Um, so, you know, in my adult age now, I know that when death happens, you know, repressed memories come back. So, I was 10 years old and after my grandfather passed, repressed memory came back of me being, you know, of me being molested. And I really didn't know what to do with that. I was so young and I was already going through a trauma with, you know, losing my grandfather. So, what I did was I just like forgot about that, and I would take the memory this is and I would physically take it and move it to the back of my head and I would try not to think about it um you know I, I didn't tell anybody for six years, so for six years, I was very quiet about it. I didn't say a word um I would have episodes of acting out um just you know crying or depression, but really didn't you know associate the two so when I was sixteen years old. I was suicidal and I was definitely about to harm myself. Um, I credit my mother with being so close to me and making it a comfortable relationship for me to come to her and tell her. So I was just at the point when I was 16, where I said, I can't no longer do this. So I was literally sitting on like a, like a roof because I was babysitting. So I was sitting on a roof and I was contemplating jumping off. Mm. So I said, you know what? I need to talk to my mom. So I called her like from where I was at, you know, she came and got me. I told her what happened. And, you know, she really, um, her and my, her husband who was my stepfather, they really guided me through that process, you know, got me into therapy. I'm really understanding about, you know, what happened and really wanted me to, you know, come to some kind of a healing from that. So I definitely credit my mom with just saying, you know, making last said comfortable position for me to come to her and tell her Um, so with me being quiet about that for six years I really do think that that um, added to my passion with making sure that my voice was heard and so many other people's voices are heard because I was like quiet you know for six years and I didn't say a word about it so it's like now I just can't shut the hell up. (laughs) Mm So that's definitely a really huge part of, of my trauma. Therapy was a really huge help, making sure that And you don't get past something like that. It's not something that you move past. It's just something that you um, you know, learn how to manage, manage your triggers and manage your trauma. Um, so you know, as a black person, of course, it's not like that's the only trauma I've ever had. Just being black in general. Um, somebody asked the other day, I think it was on Soul of a Nation, when was the first time you ever realized you were black? Well, for me, it was in um, grade school when we were reading that Tom Huck book and it kept saying the N word. And I got upset with that. And this really started my, I guess you can say my years of activism. So I went home and I said to my mom, I don't like it. It makes me feel weird. The other black kids in the class don't like it. So she said, what you want to do about it? And I'm like a kid. I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> so she set a meeting up with the principal and, you know, I spoke and I said, I just don't like it. It doesn't make me feel good. So they took that book off the curriculum. So I said, wow. Um, you know, that's why I always credit my mom, because she didn't just be like, oh, well, go upstairs. You know, she said, were you what are you actually going to do about it? So I would say that definitely um, was traumatic because I did ask the man in class to perfect the teacher. Said, well, why do we have to keep saying it? Because he kept saying it. And he said, Well, that's just what they did back in those days. So, me and the other kids, and it's so funny because I know these people nowadays, they're looking at me and I'm like, a kid. <laughs> I'm like, what y'all want me to do? So, that definitely, I would say, definitely started it. And I had to endure a lot of that just from now, from then up until now. Um, just going to high school in Sport. I actually, me and my friends, we started a petition to get a Black history class. Um, and it, it's crazy because, um, We didn't get to class, but we got like a diversity committee that's still there today. But my daughter, who was in our youth chapter, uh, two years ago now, she had to, her and her friends had to sue McKeesworth School District to get a black student union. So as I sat there and I walked, you know, them through that process, uh, it was very traumatic and triggering because I really had to go through the same thing. So I said, wow, here we are years later going through the exact. Same thing in the exact same school district. Um, so that trauma definitely got it, you know, guided me throughout life um, when I'm talking about racial trauma now. Um, and then just the trauma of living in a community where I was losing a lot of relatives to, you know, to gun violence, uh, which really led to the development of Take Action One Valley. Um, so we were founded in, you know, 2014 after my cousin Carlos Hudson. Um, and Jan Randolph were murdered here in McKeesport. Um, Carlos's cousin, our other co-founder, May Hudson, you know, had came to me and said, let's do something about it. And my journey into running for office, because I sat on council in McKeesport for eight years, uh, my journey to even running for office and to even wanting to get into, I would say, politics and activism really came from um, the background of all the trauma that I have been through—from the molestation and being quiet, from the the racial trauma, um, and just the gaslighting that um, was put on me—my um, the gaslighting that I that has I would say been drawn on me has gotten like national attention. Um, so you know, I'll say something, and uh, the gaslighting from local elected officials to me is it's really bad. Actually, I always like to categorize my time on city council as an abusive relationship. Um, because I was the only one on there who I would say was progressive, or radical—I think a better way to describe myself. So, anytime I would say something, the the gaslighting um, was on like yeah. 150. It got to the point where I had to get my husband to be in the meetings when I when I was going to say something, um, because they react differently. He was sitting literally in the front row. He had to be there, sitting there, looking at them for um, for the violence. And violence isn't always physical, right? most times it's mental and emotional. Um, So when he was around, it would kind of be on a a lower level. So all of that really led to development of Take Action Mall Valley. Um, So when May came to me and she had went to a meeting in Pittsburgh and they were talking about homicides not being solved. So she said, let's do something here in uh, the Mall Valley area. So that's what we did. So I would say all of that trauma really led to uh, why I'm so passionate about what I do, making sure everybody's voices are heard. Um, and outside of this being activism and all that, I am actually in a mental health professional. So I've been in that field since 2002. So I'm trained in childhood trauma. I've been a family-based therapist. I've been an MST therapist. So I have that background. And I'm, I don't like to separate the two because I kind of think they go together with politics, activism, mental health, um, because that what that really did was help me get some skills with just being able to engage people and really understand where people are at and really just meeting, I would say meeting them, uh, you know, where they're at. So I just I appreciate you also giving me the opportunity to share that story because I just don't think a lot of people knew. Um, and do. a lot of that is yeah, and a lot of that is just like I suck at boundaries, right? So I just don't have good boundaries. And that's one thing I'm working on now in therapy, uh, which has been clearly helpful. I've been in therapy on and off since high school, but um, I have a black therapist. And I would say that this is the most beneficial um, therapeutic experience I've had, um, because I don't have to go around a lot and explain to her what I'm feeling because she clearly gets it because she's black. So I don't have to go you know, go around a lot and explaining that. So
1: yeah. Yeah, and we did a show um, not too long ago where we actually talked about the very issue of, you know, the benefits of having a black therapist um, compared to having, you know, another, you know, ethnic, you know, I well, mean, not ethnic, another, you know, race therapist, whether it's Hispanic or white or, you know, whatever, Asian. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm happy that you said what you said, because in therapy, sometimes we spend so much time trying to explain ourselves that we don't really get to the core, of the reason why we're there, because we have to kind of go through all of this bluff, you yeah. know, uh, you know, well, you know, cause I've, I've been, I've experienced both white therapists and black therapists, and I could tell you, sometimes it takes away from the relationship and the authenticity of the relationship because you're sitting there in your head space, trying to figure out if this person really gets who you are, you know, before you even open your mouth, can they, can they Mm. relate to you on a personal black level? Mm. So, you know, I, I'm happy that you said that, you know, you have a black therapist and and one of the benefits of that is, is that you don't feel like you have to go around issues that that part right there is taken care of and you feel like you can dive right into with your reason why you're in therapy. So, and thank you for normalizing therapy too, by your longevity with it.
0: So Fawn, you, you started to talk a little bit about your organization. Um, can, Can you talk to us about what you're doing? Uh, some of the programs and, and just give us a, a little bit of background on your organization.
2: Yes. So my organization is called Take Action Mall Valley. And we were founded in 2014. Um, the co-founder was May, May Harriet Hudson. She's my cousin and her, her son, uh, Carlos Hudson and um, Jan Randolph were murdered here in McKeesport in 2014. So. May went to a meeting out in Pittsburgh that was called by Autumn Perkins. Shout out to Autumn, and Autumn put together meetings on "We Need Justice Too," and she was focusing on fact that the Wolf Sisters were murdered in Pittsburgh and the chief at the time, those Wolf sisters were white women. The chief at the time got on the news and said, well, we're going to find out who did this. We're going to put all of our resources into it. And they did it in like less than three days. So Autumn's point was, what about us and what about our homicides? And, you know, why can't we get the same attention? So she did some meetings in Pittsburgh. May went and we did some out here in the Keysport, Mon Valley area. And what we noticed was that people were coming from all over the Mon Valley, so for Duquesne, White eau and so we had a lot of follow-up meetings, and we named the Take Action Mon Valley with the mission to combat all forms of community violence through activism and organizing. Um, so when we first started, we really were focused a lot on neighborhood violence, um, and then I would say uh, we did a lot of research and policy papers. So. More at the end of 2017, beginning of 2018, we really started to shift to more of a social justice organization. We redefined community violence to include uh, structural and systemic racism. And really started to do some research and understand that it was the so- social conditions created by structural and systemic racism that lead to neighborhood violence. So it really took a really, I would say, a shift a little bit in our focus and we still address all forms of violence but that structural and systemic racism definitely is top because it literally leads to all the social conditions that uh, we live in so in 2018 we got a fiscal sponsor one who is shout out to one hood and they became our fiscal sponsor and we really were able to expand a lot more so how we take action um is we take complaints from all over allegheny county with of course a clear focus on the mon valley I mean, we do that because the Mon Valley is consistently left out of everything from resources, conversations, economic development, Um, and people do that a lot when they're looking at bigger cities. And it just doesn't happen here in Allegheny County. I would say it happens across the world. But when you really look at black liberation and wanting us all to be free, you can't just have a, a one city or bigger city approach to that. It has to be more of a county slash region approach. Um, so that's what we really do and take action on Valley is look at the greater area and how we can affect change there. Um, and I think that people don't really do that a lot in this field um, and we do that because you have to understand how something is structured before you can break it down really. Um, so you have to understand what goes into that, what goes into development and how that looks. So we do a lot of that and take action on Valley. Um, so we take our complaints um, and that's for any, any form of violence. Tip now we have 27. Most of them are police violence. We have some school violence. We have some housing injustice, transportation injustice. So people reach out to us. Uh, we take their complaint and we give them a plan of action, some of that. Sometimes that is just referring them somewhere. Sometimes that is, it turns into an advocacy campaign. We do cause to action for them in protest and protest. Um, and protest doesn't always mean street protest. So that means sometimes we're doing call in days. We have people call in, uh, send emails, letter writing campaigns. So it just depends on the issue. But we take complaints. Um, we also have chapters. Which we're really focusing on rebuilding because COVID-19 really hurt our chapters a lot because a lot of people didn't have Zoom or access, I would say, to Zoom. So we're going to have to rebuild a lot of our chapters through our interest meetings, which we're going to have to have virtually. So that's going to be interesting. Um. So, But we have chapters in McKeesward and Duquesne and East Pittsburgh. So we are really focused now on kind of rebuilding those chapters. And the way that we take action within our chapters, and this is where the expansion comes in, because now um, I'm able to do it full time, and I can really focus on doing the training with the people in the chapters, as well as community action plans, which look different per area, right? So mckeesports Sports might look different than Pin Hills or White Oak, or wherever you're at, because we're, you know we might have some of the same issues, but we don't all think the same. So everybody's experience should be valued differently. Um, so through the chapters, we create community action plans or CAPs as we call them. Uh, we have a youth chapter that is very active. So we're so proud of our kids. Um, they do virtual panels. Um, they In the summer, they did a protest on school police in McKeesport, um, and they have a CAP or community action plan. And they're really now focused on uh, police in schools. As well as COVID nineteen, and they're going to do a panel on HPCUs because they pointed out to us that that's not really something that they hear over here in the Moan Valley. It's about HPCUs and how beneficial they are. I mean, I'm an HPCU grad, but nobody's really talking to them about that yep. yet. Yep. So um, they're going to do a panel on that as well. Um, so we have our chapters, we have our complaints, and then we have the several initiatives that we support um so that's anywhere from transportation rights to housing rights um, we have a covid-19 relief response initiative that we're doing so we have a transportation assistance program which really came out of covid-19 because when covid-19 first hit a lot of people were focused on doing i would say food food giveaways nobody was really doing nothing over here in the mohave valley and then if they well, we couldn't get there so we can't get to pittsburgh because um, sometimes it takes two to three buses. And then with COVID, it wasn't even safe to get on a bus. And at one time, they had cut the routes down. So when the bus got out here, there would be no spots for us to even get on the bus. So what we did was we give out up to $40 a month for people to get to anywhere they need to get to. You just have to live in the Mon Valley. Um, the program should be opened back up shortly. We had to get it funded because um, it kind of took off, I would say, when we um, first started it really took off with just making sure that people got, you know, their transportation assistance. And so that is how we take action. We have our initiatives, we have our chapters, um, we have our, and we have our complaints. Um, so with, I would say the mental health aspect, that's definitely one of our initiatives, black mental health. What we're really focused on now is trying to get, um, some funding to have, I would say therapists, on call or more available to us um, trauma is a huge piece of black liberation and doing activism or social justice work i have seen it um as a mental health professional i have seen it just as an activist um, in the unchecked trauma the unmet trauma um, and with black people what we do is we, we turn that inward against each other so that's why there's so much thickering and so much inner fighting um, because we're not dealing with our trauma. So what we would like to do and take action is have those therapists available to the people who make complaints to us. So when they call us, we can kind of connect them with a the therapist and we may give them a number, right? Here's a number call, but typically they don't call. You know, life just gets in the way. Um, being able to afford it, being able to get there, have access to it is, is you know, huge issues. So we would like to combat some of that just by having... A therapist, you know, available. I mean, not just to the people that make complaints, but the people in our chapters, our partners, and the people we work with. So when things do come up, it's not this, but it's more of a let's bring somebody in here to really address this. Um, because the trauma, literally, I mean, it smacks us in the face. I don't care what you're doing in this kind of work. It, it comes up. It's right there. And it guides everything that we do. Um, and I think we really need to start... Addressing that um, and really just look at who we are calling in to do that. I think that is wonderful That black people are talking about therapy now and that they're going to therapy and that is in their conversations um, But I do think that when we are referring people out or when we're um, talking to therapists, they should be trained therapists um, In a certain area if that's the area that you, you need addressed um, So I think we do have to be careful with um, just, you know, we all have lived experience, right? I mean, all of us do, and we're experts of our own pain. Um, but if you're not trained in something, it's hard to give advice, uh, cause it can be dangerous
1: Absolutely. if,
2: you know, if you're not trained to give somebody advice on something. So, you know, a pastor is not a therapist, um, somebody in your family who's a therapist is not your therapist. Um, so I have to do that a lot in my family. Like I am, you know, I have been a therapist in the past, but like, I can't be your therapist you know, go out and get your own therapist. Um, that person cannot, you know, that person can't be me. And even in Take Action, me and my staff, we do that a lot. Um, you know, let me connect you to somebody. Because, you know, we can't be your therapist. That's not our role here. So I think we really have to start to have that conversation about um, who are we referring to and who are we considering these experts? Because um, it, it really is dangerous if I'm in crisis. And yeah, you're talking to somebody who isn't, because then it damages us, right? It re triggers us, it re traumas us, re traumatizes us. And in this field, that is so, so important. Because um, it's almost like trauma is, in my opinion, like a way, it's almost like a way of life in the work that I do, I would say. You know, I talk to families who have, um, you know, lost loved ones and just sitting in that and hearing that. Um, you no, know, it, it's traumatic. Um, something just happened over here in McKeesport, and I had several breakdowns on live mm-hmm. with the police and their response here, and thinking that they're going to kill you know somebody black in McKeesport. Um, and it was so crazy, and it I think it goes back to something I said in the beginning a couple people called, but the fact that you know black women are seen as being so strong, and I'm one of those women, um, people were like, Oh, you're all right. <laughs> And I was like, no, I'm actually not, not all right. I'm going to support systems, and my my husband's like, yeah, well, we need to call your therapist, you know, because this is a lot for you, you know, to have to follow these police around, make sure they're not killing anybody, and I just think we need to acknowledge that um, a lot more, especially when it comes to the workers and the people um, who are you know who who are dealing with it and um, some of the the stuff that comes at us and um it's okay to take a break it's okay to seek therapy and it's okay to tell somebody no to not dump all of that on you you know all of those things are are okay and that's definitely something i'm working on with the boundary the boundaries aspect and making sure that i have better boundaries um you know just just not for taking action just for my life and telling people you know yes telling people no um or just telling people you know when i'm available um know what take action On valley can do or you know when we can refer out to some of our wonderful partners that we work with and definitely julius and danielle you are some of those people
1: you know it's amazing um we you know when you're talking about being careful with you know making sure you have the right therapist i shared oftentimes time on this show that um you know i i have a master's in counseling psychology but I refuse to go any further with it because those tools I'm using on myself right now for my traumatic experience. And it's important to know that when you have skills, when you know you can be effective and when you can't be effective, I know I would put others in harm if you know, if my own triggers and 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 my trauma you know, my, my, um, immediate, you know, my very here and now trauma, you know, is it's being, um, what's the word we use a lot of time in therapy, uh, transferred, you know, on to the next person. It's another word, but you know, and that's not healthy and that's not right. So even as a therapist, you have to know, you know, when you can be effective and when you can't, and you better know when you're not effective or in your season of you know effectiveness to be okay with stepping back and not continue to put yourself in a situation where you are causing more harm to your client than yourself so i, I you know I, these little sound bites you got so many that you know i just you know i want to highlight because i think we don't talk about that often about when a therapist becomes ineffective that's really real we all have seasons right and you know we should know what our seasons are not that we need to you know have to be out of the loop for a while but sometimes the therapists need therapy (laughs) so you know and and we have to give ourselves permission because we can get overwhelmed and burnt out quickly
0: Hmm. yeah fun and even miss danielle as y'all both are talking Two things came to mind for me. One, as an activist, I'll say for myself, I try to work myself out of my trauma, right? It's like if I can be busy enough, if I don't have to face it, and I just move on to the next family or assignment or or project that I'm working on, then I don't have to feel it. And Fauna, I think what you did in Miss Danielle, you've shown us through your, your walk and your actions is that... Um, we have to stop, and we have to tend to ourselves. Like that's that's that is our responsibility. That's our obligation with we'll support from other people. And I think that as as leaders, as activists, as organizers, it's really difficult to do that. I mean, I, I know some of the most um, you know impactful folks that do work within our, our space but they are literally hurting and, and dying on the inside from that trauma that's been compounding because it, it, it becomes like difficult. Like Fawn, you said trauma is like a way of life because it's, it, it's it's so deeply embedded in your work. And sometimes it gets difficult to press pause on that or to not try to, I'm speaking for, for myself, be everything for everybody. I have a really difficult time with that. Um, and so going into the second point, something that both of y'all brought up is so powerful is that I feel like there's this, this uh, transition that's happening within the Black community that we want to talk, we are talking more about therapy and we're getting mental health support, but I feel like there's also still a disconnect between what is the appropriate level of support. Uh, whether it be mental health support or behavioral health, which includes drug and alcohol treatment, what what's appropriate for a certain instance, especially in the city of Pittsburgh and Allegheny County, where there's so many conversations happening and probably, probably in your area too, Ms. Danielle, around um, crisis intervention, right? So I, how many times have we seen a crisis, like a a, a, a maybe a a life or death crisis that happens within the black community mental health crisis and we see some mental health people get tagged on facebook now i'll say sometimes i get tagged in these posts and mm-hmm. i'm like i i'm not what you need right now i can help connect a dot but that that is a crisis situation that me as a um you know, administrator of services and coordinator of services. I haven't been a practicing therapist since I don't know, 2014. So I'm with therapists all the time, but when people specifically are like, Julius, there's this crisis in the community, yeah. I'm like, oh I could rec- I could make connections, right? But I can't show up and deliver a certain level of crisis intervention right. that a trained clinical, Mental or behavioral health professional can do. So, I say all that to say uh, we need more education in the Black community to know when do you when should you be contacting a crisis uh, someone for crisis intervention? Who should you be contacting? Who should you be contacting for family and in marriage counseling? Who should you be contacting when you're struggling with depression and anxiety? I think we because there aren't that many Black mental health professionals. We're like uh, tag Jessica Gurley, tag Erica Upshaw Givner, um, uh, tag, tag uh, Kevin Jordan in, in ABS, yeah. mm-hmm. and ABS, and and there's there aren't that many of us, but yeah. we do need to learn what when who we need to bring into these certain situations within the mental health space, and to to Fawn's point make sure we're not further traumatizing our people because we bring in somebody who don't have the skill set to, to deal with somebody who just got murdered. Like they don't, that's not yeah. their, their skill set. They don't know how to deal with that. They're just, they're just a black mental health professional.
2: Right. So, right. Or the space, um, I'm constantly tagged in those posts and like, I'm, and I'm expected to react and like how violent is that? Cause you don't know what I'm doing at that moment. I mean, I've been out of town and gotten tagged, and like they'll keep tagging me, or inbox me, and I'm like, I ain't even there. <laughs> what you, you know, expect me to do? And that's so violent to put that on, on, on. We put that on each other, um, because I know in take action, we have a process. Um, you know, this is how you reach out to us. This is how you, you know, you contact us. So, but I kind of think that goes back to, you know, goes back to our conversation around boundaries and being able to communicate that. I love what you said, Julie, it's about working and not feeling, Um, you know, just through therapy. I've learned that, you know, I haven't been feeling since high school. Um, I just don't allow myself to feel anything. I just move on to the next and move on to the next and, you know, kind of move on to the next. So that's what I'm, you know, that's what I'm working on now is like really feeling that. Um, But I think a lot of that just goes back to people being able to lower their expectations of myself and other black women. Mm-hmm. Um, I always say, don't make your strong friend repeat their story. Cause you didn't hear them the first time. Mm-hmm. I've had to do that a lot. Um, cause people don't hear it. Cause they're like, Oh, you got it. You're alright. You'll, 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 you'll manage, you know, but, um, Maybe I won't. Maybe I need a minute. Maybe I need a day. But that's okay regardless of that. That's why I reject a lot of the strong black women or we're magical or we got superpowers or we're flying around here and stuff because we don't. like We don't have any of those things at all. Um, that is a I'd say white supremacy technique that um, they use to make it seem like we are the greatest things in the world as far as like being able have, to have these magical powers that we just don't have. And honestly, it's just too much. I reject a lot of those notions but other people still put the I would say still put the expectations on me. It hasn't gone anywhere, even though I reject it, it still hasn't gone anywhere. So I just have to continue to have those boundaries, but we have to accept each other's boundaries.
1: Absolutely. You know, and and
2: and accept them um and be able to communicate to each other, you know, when we're going through something, you know, just love on each other.
1: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, what's powerful is you guys are dropping organizations and dropping names. Um, That's one of the things that I love about Pittsburgh. It's a city. But man, the connectivity of everyone and being able to work together and to rely on different resources to help. You know, if like for me, a new nonprofit in the city. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But. I can call you fun. I can call Julius. You know, it's a whole. Ujama. I mean, I, the list goes on and on churches. Macedonian. They showed up, you know, big time for me, you know, it's, it's powerful. And I'm telling you among black people, you don't get that type of, of teamwork. <laughs> In other major cities, it's like everybody works in their own silo. But when something goes down, I can look up and say, "Oh, they go Fawn. Oh, I go. I see LaKeisha. Oh, wow, I see you know so and so. We all, you know, somehow rise to the occasion together." I don't see. I'm here in Washington D.C. Now, granted, I spent more time. You know, since last summer in Pittsburgh, I I do activism work here, but because I was physically there as long as I was there, you know, I've been able to establish these relationships. And I'm sure they exist here in the city, but also what exists here in, in DC is politics. And don't get it twisted, politics is very much a part of activism work here in Washington, DC area, too. So it's a harder, Ooh, it's a harder um, uh, 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 system to crack into activism here as opposed to, you know, there in Pittsburgh. And so, you know, I I just, you know, when you all were name dropping, I was like, yeah, I know who they talking about. Uh I work with them. Yes. So and so helped me when I had a problem, you know, and. It's just a beautiful thing to have that support system. And I think that too needs to be capitalized on even more. So it's the fact that for a lot of things that's broken, there is a lot of things that are working too.
2: Awesome. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. That's good I, perception. For, you know, from, yeah, from coming was, out and coming in.
0: That's awesome to hear. Yeah. yeah I, I was going to say, Ms. Danielle, I, that's an interesting perspective. Um, I don't know if, if if Fawn knows where I'm going, but I I don't know if that's the narrative we always hear from local folks. I feel like sometimes we hear that there it is disjointed, yeah. and there needs to be more of a collaborative framework in Pittsburgh. So it's it's interesting to hear you as you're com- coming in, right, and experiencing. Um, I think you 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 came in uh, under. Under some some divinity, right, and something that was ordained. So you you had some folks that were placed around you from a from a place of divinity, right? But not everyone had, is is connected in in that way to, to the divine. So I'm, I think that has something to do with it. And uh, when people ask me, I kind of jokingly say this, but not really. They're like, well, what <laughs> people are like, well, what do you do? Like, what do you actually do at Still Smile? <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I say, you know, most days I feel like I'm a politician, like most days I feel like and, and, and I think to Fawn's point, when we talk about white supremacy and the way it shows up, like especially in a city like Pittsburgh and especially in Allegheny County, right? Where with McKeesport and the Mon Valley, people are like, oh, that's over there. Yeah, that's McKee. It's right. It's right there. It's right next door. Right. There are the people. I know people who are going from the city of Pittsburgh that are going to McKeesport or they, or they live in the Mon Valley and are coming into the city. So to try to sort of differentiate and say, Oh, well, we don't, we're not worried about that over here. We're worried about the city and our, you know, whatever 90 neighborhoods in the city. Like, no, like the Mon Valley is, is us. We, we have a, a an obligation at a mm-hmm. resident level, political level, organizational collaborative level. Like, Still smiling has an obligation to take action in Mon Valley, like regardless of what neighborhoods we get grants to serve. Like, if there's a need, we need to be collaborative and responsive to that need. So, um, it, it is very interesting because people in Pittsburgh, I just saw somebody who was out of town the other day, they were uh somewhere in the south, and they were like, Oh man, I'm never coming back to Pittsburgh. Like, it's it's lit down here, people are smiling at you, and it's like Mm -hmm. I I think that sometimes Pittsburgh is kind of taken for granted when you're here for so long, but on the flip side of that coin, Miss Danielle, there, there are a lot of silos, like there are a lot of silos and people are aware of that. You know, some people are trying to trying to mend it, but there's some people who are not.
1: I think you bring in a good point is that the, you know, I came under a realm of, you know, divinity, divineness, you know, and I think that's the common factor that brought all these different groups to Freedom Corner, you know, and, you know, who can't relate to a mother who is fighting for justice for their son, you know, so that's a commonality, you know, that kind of puts me in a, in a weird place. You know, um, but it allowed me to experience that, you know, which probably is not the norm, you know, but hey, I appreciated it because it was beautiful. Seriously, from someone who came in not pre exposed to, you know, the um, politics, the silos, the different groups in Pittsburgh. So it allowed me to come in with a fresh you know perspective being a sponge soaking it all in and yeah being even being there less than a year but you know now having what seven eight eight months what i got there july august september october november december january february march eight months now mm-hmm. um i am starting to see things a little different but i i'm still encouraged among us the problem that i have is dealing with our Caucasian, you know, um, uh, neighbors, you know. And so I'm seeing a lot more on that level, you know, that is, I would say, I don't experience in D.C. It's not in your face like it is in Pittsburgh on that level. Because, I mean, if a teacher can tell the classroom, it's okay to use a certain word. I'm like, is this
2: 2021?
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, so it's a lot of reminders in Pittsburgh that DC is so much progressive, you know, in in various areas that I'm when I'm in Pittsburgh and I'm like, y'all need to catch up. You know, yeah. other places <laughs> are doing other things. They're not, yeah. you know, treating people the way that you all are treating people, you know. It, it's you know the, the vision is real in
0: Pittsburgh. You know what they call us, Miss Danielle? Pencil-tucky. <laughs> what? Like Kentucky, Pennsylvania, like backwards, you know, racist racism is hot here. You know, it is it's, it's there's there are a lot of rural areas. Like I've I tried to go to a Allegheny County park over the summer. And I couldn't. I, I didn't feel comfortable because it was. It's, it's in this, you know, sort of Trump area. And I'm like, I'm trying to. Right here, I am as a as an activist and an organizer, trying to go and get some self care and step mm-hmm. away from the work. But I go into this rural, open public uh, park space, and, and, and you you know, you walk into a space and you see people, and you're just like, eh, I ain't supposed to be here. Like I'm, I'm not supposed to be here. You know, right away. If you are, or you aren't. So I knew right away. So um, the point I'm trying to make is it's called pencil Tucky because we got the racism. Um, we, we were behind on a lot. But what I will say, though, is that to your point, Miss Danielle, there are folks that are committed to coming together. There are the Fawns of the world, the Miss Danielle's of the world. Um, I mean, I could go on and on and on the the, the uh, Lakeisha's of the world. I mean, just you go on and on and on of these folks that have these, you know, from trauma to triumph stories, and they have these living, breathing, um, flourishing vessels through their organizations that are changing not just local stuff, but we we we're trailblazers here in Pittsburgh. That's one thing I don't know that people really understand, like we are creating national and international models and frameworks for how to treat black people for how to show up for black and brown communities like that's happening in pittsburgh you know so um i know we're winding down here fawn i I want to talk about what you need what does your organization need um from uh money volunteers support like what you need, speak that into existence uh, with, with these last eight minutes we got. Yes, um, so we
2: definitely, um, definitely always need donations um, to continue our work. What we're really focused on now is the Black Woman Health Initiative. So we're looking for, um, for donations and I'll be writing some grants to add on that piece to have um, an organization, a therapist kind of on call for our partners. Um, for our chapters and the people that make complaints. Um, we definitely need volunteers as well um, To do you know letter writing campaigns um, You know whenever we send emails when we do our phone call-in days? Um, so volunteers is always something that's needed. Um, you can go on our website www.tamv.org to make a donation as well as to sign up and volunteer um, There are several advocacy campaigns and initiatives that we are Working on right now, so I just wanted to highlight a few of them on um, the first one is police violence um, So we have an initiative and a coalition we put together a year ago, and it's called POC um, Policing Allegheny County Coalition and in that coalition What we really do is we look at policing Allegheny County as a whole And how we can really look at um, alternative ways to policing from bringing in community um, so from that coalition We're really focused on um, looking at how we can, I wouldn't say decrease police violence, but looking at policing Allegheny County from a different way. Uh, We'll be doing a a panel on defunding on May 5th. You can always check our website and our social media for that. Uh, We're also highly supporting the family of Ramir Talley. So Ramir was murdered by police in the city of Wilkinsburg a year ago. Um, The officer has still not been terminated by Wilkinsburg and no charges have yet to be filed so we are pushing heavy and we will continue to push heavy um, to seek justice for Ramirez Talley Um, so anybody that would like to help out with that would be greatly appreciated that is a family that I definitely feel like we need to wrap our arms around more Mm -hmm. in this county um, to make sure that um, that family gets some justice for Ramir Talley Um, we're also focused on like I said, we have 27 complaints. What we did we we kind of group a lot of them together. So for McKeesport, we're really looking at, um, and I don't know if people are aware, but there was an officer shot over here in McKeesport. Thank God he survived. Um, he was shot by Kobe Francis, but our issue was the response to that and how they over-policed us and locked down their city, and they were coming in and out of people's homes without warrants, um, you know, just searching, looking for Kobe, putting guns at people. So working with some attorneys now to bring a lawsuit there. And we went to a council meeting to try to speak about that, but they locked the door on us. So we had to take them to court just to get access to the meeting. So we won that case and we're waiting um, for them to reschedule the meeting so we can go. So that's definitely one thing we're working on. Um, In Duquesne, there's issues with police violence as well. Um, They recently arrested a black elderly woman for having a meeting with the mayor because yeah. um, they claimed that she violated COVID-19 regulations. That It was a masked, the door was shut. Um, so the police came and actually arrested her. And on top of that, there are other several other different complaints from the police in McKeesport, Duquesne, and West Mifflin. And um, that's one of the reasons why POC really exists um, because when you really look at police violence and police murder, it has happened outside of the city, but more mm-hmm. in the county um, because there really is no real accountability you have to go to the chief of police and that is it. We have no police review board, uh, which is another thing we're pushing um, with county council. So we're working on um, the police review board. Um, And just this week, actually, um, family paid and medical leave act was vetoed by County Executive Rich Fitzgerald in a pandemic, nonetheless. So you'll see a lot of calls to action for that as well as the police review board. So, And then Michelle. So Michelle Kinney is, as you all know, another another mother of the movement, along with you, Mama Brown, and um, she just had a bad experience at the Burger King out of Norfolk Sales. So we're pushing that as well. Um, The police responded, but not really in a healthy or even a kind kind of a way. Um, And that really ties back into our police initiative around um, making sure there's some accountability. Because that's another separate department because we have over 110 separate police departments in Allegheny County. So with that being said, they really just run it like um, like their sheriffs and they do whatever the hell they want to do. And that's where we really have to come in and use our voices with that. So those are, um, I would say, some of the advocacy campaigns initiatives that we're working on and supporting. But we definitely always need donations and volunteers to do that and anybody can go to our website to sign up thank you all again for having me and allowing me to share my story
1: you know it's my first time hearing your story at length like this and i'm just like you never know Julius. people's background and their walk and their why you know and you know what you taught me Fawn. you taught me to Pause when I meet people And really Take the time to understand their why Because mm-hmm. sometimes we jump right in You know And I know I mean I just had the um, Foundation unveiling When I saw Fawn I gave her a hug And the first thing I did Threw a mic at her you That's know- alright <laughs> That's
2: alright <laughs> right. I, I was ready I love you <laughs>
1: You know, but, you know, just listening to her, I'm saying to myself, why, why did I know all of this before today? Hmm. I've been with Fawn for a while now. I'm ashamed to admit it, but I'm grateful and humble because it taught me a lesson. It taught me that sometimes before you advance your agenda, get to know the person, ask them, why are you passionate? Why do you do what you hmm. do? Hmm. You know, why? Why? I, I, I'm. Thank you, Fawn. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I want to echo that, Fawn. I mean, you—the way that you showed up today and your and your level and depth of transparency. Me and Miss Danielle talked about that. We said, "Oh, it would be so amazing to have the, the 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 community leaders, right? The activists that are in the work to come on and not only talk about their work, but talk about the why and, and at least me missing y'all, I was like, well, I don't know if everybody's going to want to do that. Like, if everybody's going to feel comfortable doing that, because I don't know about y'all, but there's some days, actually a lot of days, where I feel like, Julius, you can't show that that level of emotion Mm -hmm. today. Like, your team is looking to you. The people in the community are looking to you. You show that level of weakness. I'm using my air quotes because that's not how I perceive it, but that's how you know, white supremacy and, and all these other things trains you to believe that as weakness. And I'm a, and I'm a very vulnerable guy. But I st- there are still days where I'm like, I don't have it today. And I don't I don't show that, though. I'm just like, you got to show you got to show up today. You can't not show up today. So I say all that to say, for the way you um op- open the door and welcomed us in and let the viewers in to you to your story i I think is it it deserves um everything it deserves to be celebrated acknowledged uplifted um and we send all the good energy out to you and your work i'm it makes me so happy in my heart to hear both of y'all are are doing work around mental health and black mental health i'm like uh like that's so such a powerful thing and so like Music to my my soul on my ear. So I just want to uplift y'all, give y'all flowers, um, support these two phenomenal ladies and the work they're doing, their organizations, their trailblazers, their game changers. Um, We appreciate y'all. We'll see y'all next week. Wait, we can do our shout out real quick. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Tom loves him. Everywhere. We have to change our thinking. Uh, You know, we all love Olivia Bennett. Um, hey, Lou. she said, Hey, speak the truth, speak the truth, Fawn. And um, she also gave your website information, which is www.tamv.org. Um, so we thank you for that, Natasha, Natisha Washington. Love this conversation. Thank you all for your truth and insight. Definitely support Take Action Mon Valley, and you know. A lot of our viewers come um, after the show because, you know, people work during the day. So you'll see a lot of comments. So we encourage people to go on YouTube and, and, and as well as ourselves to reply to people as they also comment after the fact there. But, um, yeah, we love our we love our uh, guests and we thank you all for supporting us each week as we are in the new season of From Trauma to Triumph. And it's that little dash in between the little squiggly line. That's our lows and our peaks because we all have them.
0: Hmm. That was a better ending to the episode than what I had. (laughs) 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 We love y'all. We appreciate y'all. And we will see y'all next week.